Well, hello everyone. This is your old pal, the Boogeyman, welcoming you to an all-new episode of Faux Real. This one gets spicy and spooky, because on this episode, I talk with professional dominatrix, Mistress Justine, and you won't believe what we get into. <laughs> You're not going to want to miss this one, guys. Before I get going with our conversation... I plead with you, I beg you, I ask you to please get out there and vote however you can. If your state allows mail-in ballots, use them. If you got to go stand in line, do it. We have to change the tides of our, our current government. It's totally wackadoo, and we need to build a safe harbor, and we have to do it together. So for resources on helping you to get your ballot where it needs to go, go to votevotevote.com, or if you're in California, go to vote.ca.gov. I would also like to direct your attention to the show's Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash faux real. Guys, Patreon is a site that allows content creators to offer listeners and contributors some very very cool and unique incentives for this show boy i have some really cool stuff coming your way you won't believe some of the guests i have coming up and some uh, some very cool spookiness uh, coming up for i don't know what that voice was about <laughs> on spooky season but some really cool halloween surprises and uh, so if you go to the patreon you're going to have early access to some video clips and the opportunity to suggest upcoming guests. And I'm um, cooking up some really cool stuff. So please check out the Patreon. Contributor tiers start at just three bucks, three measly dollars. For the price of a couple donuts, you can get uh, some very exclusive and unique incentives for this show and uh, all of the cool guests I have coming up. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Mistress Justine Cross. <laughs> I was watching all your various videos, not those kind of videos. Uh, <laughs> oh, I want to get into all of it, definitely. So you have been a professional BDSM consultant and professional dominatrix for about 10 years. You mentioned that a friend gave you, I was a teenage dominatrix, the book by Shauna Kenny at some point, and that sort of spurred your interest in the field, but you sort of came upon it much later. What was the actual origin of you pursuing this career? What is the origin story of Justine? <laughs> well, it's funny. I actually, I have the book. Oh, you've got it right there. Right here. I was a teenage dominatrix, a dem, uh, you know, dominatrix memoir. Pretty amusing. This is one of the first ones by Shauna Kenny, but you know, like a lot of memoir, it's sort of like, you know, the sex work or being a dominatrix is the vehicle to a story about a coming of age or working through a struggle or, or something like that. So this book was given to me in high school by my friends who I'm still friends with. And, um, but then 
I went to college. Uh, I went to, I lived in Spain for a year. And then I, after college, I graduated. I have degrees in literature and psychology. I moved to California and then I, I Googled Los Angeles and Dungeon and because I had some friends who were also doms and then I found a place to work and then I started working there and it went on from there. I mean, because really what else are you going to do with a liberal arts education? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm still trying to figure it out. This, right? Yeah, podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it sort of uh, just came from general research and, you know, your, your curiosity. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, I should also say that I did this in my personal life. Like I enjoyed these things, but it just kind of fell into my lap as a profession in terms of doing it uh, part-time and always, and I'm having another full-time office admin, like corporate position. And then just eventually various recessions just kind of, you know, laid me off enough <laughs> where yeah. I just then started the general soul suffocating jobs that we all, that we all have. And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to do something a little bit more fun. Yeah, well, this is certainly a lot more lucrative and a lot more fun. And it was definitely a lot better for my mental health because, you know, I could afford mental health care. Um, no, it was it was so much better. And I just, so anyway, but I eventually just started doing this full time as I was getting laid off from other positions. And I just decided, okay, I'm going to try doing this full time for a little while. We'll just see how it goes. And then I'll kind of reassess and see what maybe like other real world jobs I want to get. And then I never went back. So, and this became beyond a job and a total career and business and an empire and, you know, all of these things. So. And now you run both uh, Dungeon East and Dungeon West. You're taking over the entire LA dominatrix scene, the BDSM scene. That's pretty incredible. LA is my bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of bitches, I had a lot of fun watching your slave Jack and some of the trials and tribulations that he's gone through. He mentioned that he once masturbated outside of uh, your presence and you taught him a very a very serious lesson for that. I did. Should I should I tell you the story I, now? I love to hear all about it. Yes, please. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually just um, uh, spending time with him the other night, and I mentioned that to him, and I said this is one of our most memorable times together. But basically, um, he's been my slave for you know uh, nine years now. In January, um, I mean, after nine years or so, we sort of you know our relationship has changed. She's sort of like he is my friend, he is my family, and things like this, but. Uh, so he was for a t- time period in chastity full time, which is why our relationship lasted so long. Um, but so he was in chastity and he had to be out of chastity for some reason, like going to the doctor or something. And then he jerked off while he was out of chastity, which he wasn't really supposed to do. But when I asked him if he did that, he said yes. So I said, okay, fine. And I tied him down, you know, for our our session, I tied him down to the bondage bed table and I let him, you know, hump himself on a Hitachi until he came. And then he was thinking, wow, I really got off easy. But then I proceeded to mercilessly cane him up and down his entire body. And he was screaming, he was crying, like snot was coming out of his, and because it hurts a lot more after you come, because before you come, I can get you to do anything I want. Sign over your house, your life, your cock, you're like, do anything to me. Like, you know, fuck me with the soldering iron, I don't care. But then after you're like, ah, what? Oh my God, who is this? Why am I tied down? Why am I wearing a dress? Why am I wearing this lipstick? Who are you? Where are we? You know, so after it's, you know, blue balls are the most straining of tortures. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, I will share with you. Uh, I have I've never played at uh, either of your facilities, but mm-hmm. I have done a bit of play at uh, the Dominion, and uh, I worked with a Switch uh, both of the times that uh, that I went and had a lot of fun with uh, uh, with some canes and wanding and. Um, Wait, you're telling me that you live in the Los Angeles area and you have not been to either of my dungeons? I know. I Aren't know. you lucky I, that I can't go through right now and cane the shit out of you? But sometimes punishment is its own reward. So, you know. Listen, I mean, as, as soon as the pandemic is over, uh, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be having all sorts of fun, I'm sure. Um, speaking of that, I know you've, moved uh i read on your website you're not really doing any in-person play which is you know uh you can't really do that right now and that's the best practice um and you've moved a lot of uh a lot of it to your other platforms have you still been able to um you know make the revenue that you were making before are you are you able to uh, still bring in clients as easily that way? Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I'm in the middle of shifting so much, you know, at the beginning of we this. We all are. Like, yeah, <laughs> aren't we? You know, um, I had to pivot so quickly and do so much. Um, but because I was able to work so quickly and so hard, and also my partner um, is working with me and for me, and also my slave is doing, you know, part-time work for me, like, I was able to do all of these things. Um, you know, business is shifting, things like this. You know, my my numbers remain the same, but you know, as you know, Dungeon West is closing on October 15th. I'm not sure when this is coming out. Oh, you don't know. Well, you're the only oh, one. Oh, that's now. that's an exclusive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's really okay. Like it's it's I'm not using the space in person and other people are not using the space in person in the same way. And looking at the, the landscape of what's going to happen for the next year, it doesn't make sense to hold on to a brick and mortar space if people aren't using it and especially I'm not using it. So, um, I, you know, it's mixed feelings, but based on what's happening and, you know, no one's really been in there that much for like seven months. It doesn't, it, it feels fine. Yeah it, just, yeah, it just feels fine. And it's like, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I, ha- I have that other dungeon, you know, I have a whole other space, you know, I'm doing all of my things online. So I'm moving my things to a way that makes more sense to me. And, you know, based on everything that is happening right now, it feels a little bit better to be more compact and, and things like that. So yeah, I mean, two more weeks, and then we're gonna have a huge sale. So cool. And, you know, you can always extend and expand that that location, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've been running two dungeons in Los Angeles for a really long time. That's a lot. No one else has ever done that. <laughs> um, and I really can't believe I've done this so long at such a high volume. And now I'm like, wow, I want to go on vacation, but there's nowhere to go. <laughs> So um, yeah, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling fine about this choice. Like we've had the best times, and I mean, I really can't think of another. I mean, certainly there's other spaces that have been open longer, but I really don't think there's any other space in the world that is so much a part of the public consumption because of all the things that we did there in terms of 
different events and photo shoots, but it's been in so many movies and TV shows and and magazines and podcasts and all of these things, not just um, adult related or porn related, really mainstream things. So uh, it's it's probably the best known dungeon in the world, whether you know it by name or not. So I, I feel like more than happy with what I've accomplished in eight years there, so. Which is a hell of a lot. And yep. one of those things is a Janelle Monet music video for uh, Make Me Feel. How cool that is that? An cool is Janelle? Well, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, how, how was that experience? How was working with Janelle? Uh, well, I didn't really see her much, but um, that actually wasn't at the dungeon. Um, but there was, I was, I was hired to be on set to supervise the latex vac bed situation to make sure no one died. So of course, like she's not really in there, and it was so interesting going back and forth with people because they wanted me to just supervise it and make sure everyone was okay which was fine but they're like yeah we'll just throw someone in there and i said no you can't just like throw someone in there it's like a really intense bondage and you can't just throw someone in there it has to be someone who knows what that experience is and you know you can't just it can't just be like hey uh mike just hop in there for us you know i mean how to be a female but then when i got on set it was really funny because it ended up being another dom that i knew and i said oh it's you okay great you know it's fine so she got in there and she was down and so but actually i have this latex hot pink back bed that you know was totally in the video and it's mine now but it could be yours because i'm selling it at the dungeon uh sale yeah, you know, latex has a shelf. Runs to wallet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, happy. Yeah. Well, because you know, uh, latex has a shelf life. I don't use latex back beds. I'm not into them, and it would be much better giving it to somebody or you know, selling it to somebody else who is going to get a lot of happy, useful time. So that's where my line is crossed. Mm -hmm. I don't do um, I don't do anything that has to do with suffocation. Mm -hmm. because uh, well, you're right. <laughs> so like I can do um, and have done uh, like ball gags and things mm -hmm. of that nature but on a very um, a very limited time like I can I can only hold them in for five to ten minutes and then it's got to go because mm -hmm. uh, I'm it's it's more of a um, psychosomatic situation I think than it is actually losing a breath but i have such a trauma around that because i've i've had so many asthmatic situations over the years that it just you know i can't i can't deal um but all the other things are uh, are quite a lot of fun um mm -hmm. while i was working with the switch uh she pretty much immediately dubbed me a pain slut well what can i say <laughs> my favorite kinds of sluts yeah um, it's awesome. Uh, I, I have so I have an entire list of things. I just I'm uh -huh. so, I'm really excited uh, to have you here. I just want to say because um, I I have you know I haven't other than my playtime at the at the Dominion I I haven't done it a lot in practice with uh, with my romantic partners. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's talked about a lot. I actually have been um, dating someone virtually mm -hmm. that uh, will be, uh, she, she doesn't live in the country. She's actually mm -hmm. coming to see me mm -hmm. in a couple weeks now. And okay. we've been talking about a lot of things. 
a lot of things <laughs> because she's very kinky like I am and very open to, you know, uh, having naughty fun time and all that that entails. And so I want to ask you uh, for meeting a new kinky partner uh, for the first time, what is something that you suggest as kind of a starter? Yeah, well, I actually, that's a really great question. I have, I made something as part of my BDSM 101 course called the Concise Kink Worksheet, uh, which is available for free on my website and I can send you the link for it. Uh, and that's a, a one sheet and it just goes through different questions. It's not like a lot of other things are lists like likes, dislikes, or yes, maybe no. It's not, and you just check things or list them. It's not like that. It's more, it goes into more depth. So it does things like, it breaks it down into like, you know, who, what, why kind of thing. So, you know, it'll say thing, uh, some questions are, how do you want to feel? You know, what names do you like to be called? Uh, you know, what sort of uh, kink acts do you enjoy? Um, you know, and then it also goes into basic safety information, like, do you have any medical things that I should know about? You know, um, are there um, triggers that you have? What does it look like you're, when you're triggered? What pronouns do you like to use? Things like that. And then at the end, it asks the sort of rounded up, you know, closing the loophole question, is there anything else you would like to tell me that you think I should know? Um, and it, it, you know, it's only one sheet. It has, I think, maybe 15 questions on it. So that's more in depth than I would do in terms of like pickup play or possibly with a client, but it's, it goes fast. It's not like a long thing. So it's a good jumping off point, you know, and, and those things can change with different people and different partners and certainly at different times. So, but that's a good kind of check in and, and see where you're at, check the temperature thing. Absolutely. And you always want to check in with your partner constantly too. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. bondage or no, <laughs> it's always good to check in with your partner yeah. and ask, ask how they're feeling and ask how, you know, um, did you enjoy that? Did you not enjoy that? Um, that's all of that is really important. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, definitely doing check-ins before, during and after a scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, on your YouTube, you say, uh, oh, wait, oh, no, I already talked about that, sorry. Um, oh, uh, I know you work with a lot of different implements and, and ropes and knots. Uh, what is your favorite, like, rope to work with? What is uh, your favorite, um, you know, style or that, that kind of, what, what do you usually use, um, like, say with a new client? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, it, well, it's been quite a while since I've been with people in person. <laughs> um, sure. But, you know, um, I actually don't do a lot of rope and bondage um, things. Um, I mean, I do use rope sometimes, but I wouldn't say that's like really my, my, my tool Your kit. Go yeah, I mean, generally, it, it really depends on the client. Um, the sort of things that I'm more well known for and the things that I really enjoy are, you know, uh, total power exchange, like really invading someone's life and, you know, taking control over everything, like not just their bank account, but like making sure they're exercising and eating right and stuff like that. Um, you know, so that's what I really mean. And, you know, other things are uh, a lot of electro plays so using Eros Tech. Uh, I also really love tease and denial, you know, foot fetish, fin dom stuff. That's like, you know, pretty basic 
kinds of things. So, you know, in terms of equipment, um, you know, I generally use like Aeros Tech. I really love the the pinwheel. It's like a, you know, I feel like it's one of those things you first get when you're you're first doing stuff and then you forget about it, but it's still just so amazing. Even it's like a tiny little thing. What, what is that? The pinwheel. Oh, it's like a the Wartenberg wheel, the little like silver thing with little spikes on it, the wheel. Oh, oh. interesting. Yeah. I, I, oh, wasn't, yeah, I wasn't familiar with that. Cool. They're great. They're great. They can be very teasy or painful. Or, like little mini uh, cat of nine tails kind of thing? No, no, no. It's metal. Um, so just look it up. It's it's literally just like a little like, yeah, it's tiny. It's like this big. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's like, a, it's like a handle and then like that, you know, so uh, those, so yeah, those are some of the, and I, of course I really love canes, so. I've heard a lot about uh, your uh, your enjoyment of of caning, especially from uh, uh, from Jack. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. I asked a fellow friend who also does a lot of um, who who does bondage work, and she wants to know how you vet your new clients. Yeah, I mean, again, this is sort of in the the before times. Um, of in of, yeah, in terms of the client vetting, um, I asked them an abbreviated list of questions of what we just talked about, like in terms mm -hmm. of things that they enjoy and right. what they want to do. Um, honestly, most of my clients uh, that I would see in person would be um, would be people that I've seen before. They're probably ninety percent people that I've seen before. So, I'm really pretty much not in a gray area of BDSM. Like I'm not doing things that are by law considered illegal or more illegal than other things. You know, you can't consent to violence, but you know, um, but uh, unless you're a male boxer or whatever, but anyway, so, uh, you know, another thing, so, if, but it, I do, I would ask for references and deposits and there's various other tracker sites that you can track people on in certain ways. And some of them are available for sex workers only, and some of them are really available to the general public. So, yeah. All right, I have to ask, what is, uh, what is one of the strangest requests that you've received that, that you obliged? Well, I mean, it's really hard to say, where do you draw that line? Right. Um, you know, I don't really find too many strange requests anymore. Um, you know, but I think, I think one of the ones that I've had that, and I've talked about this before, but because it's, it really is one of the most unique ones. Um, it's a client who had a roasting fetish and that I didn't actually roast him, of course, uh, but we did a role play where I turned my bondage bed into uh, like a metal tray. I put tin foil on it and then wrapped it with saran wrap. And I, I think I got him an apple and, you know, so he brought some stuff too. So he brought like, I think I, well, of course, you know, what girl doesn't have a meat tenderizer in her right. dungeon? So of course I had that, uh, but he brought a, like a basting, you know, like a turkey. Oh, one of those brushes? You know, yeah, they're or like, you know, the, like, you know, like a syringe, like the lesbians, you know, uh, so oh. that and, you know, like olive oil and pepper and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, he also brought what he thought was a zucchini because he wanted me to put that in his ass. Yep. And I was really excited and he whispered to me and he's like, it's a zucchini. And I whispered back, it's a cucumber. 
<laughs> and also I'm not putting that up your ass because it doesn't have a flared base and I'm not going to the ER with you. So we didn't do right. that, but <laughs> that was really fun. I've seen him a couple of times and it's, he, it's very interesting what he likes. Cause it's, it's about that role play. And then he also really likes talking about like other people coming to like eat him and, you know, my other girlfriends being there. And then he wanted to hear about like recipes from my mother and my grandmother. And there was this lineage. It was really wow. jumping the shark. It was like all kinds of fun stuff. And so that was definitely one of the more unique ones. So. Wow. He really did. <laughs> that's, that's quite involved. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. Interesting. I, I'm so fascinated by, um, by those kinds of pleasures and those uh, types of fetishes and things. I've never really been a foot guy. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, foot fetish people out there. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it really it really does cover the gamut. Thank you for sharing that with me. That's, <laughs> I'm just imagining, you know, uh, him being patted down with butter and um, <laughs> yeah. like corn on the cob. Um, uh, I've seen a number of uh, shows that deal with um, with BDSM and bondage, uh, including like Bonding on Netflix. Have you have you seen these shows? And if so, like which ones uh, sort of get it right, or do any of them get it right? Well, I think that we all know that television is never really getting it right. I mean, at least those of us who live in Los Angeles know this because we're all like working in the industry and we know mm -hmm. that it's not real, even reality TV. Unfortunately, it becomes dangerous because most people do not live in Los Angeles and do not, you know, are not part of various communities of which shows, um, you know, are showing you things except for, uh, you know, so, uh, but the problem is, is that most people will watch a doctor show and they know what a doctor is and they know what a hospital's like and they know that you know what the drama that's happening on house and gray's anatomy is not real because you have something that you always can compare it to because most people have been into a hospital and have been to a doctor the problem with you would hope so <laughs> sorry, what? you would hope so before, uh, yeah. before doing that kind of thing. Yeah. for the most part however when you get into these things that are like BDSM or a dominatrix, most people don't know what a dungeon is, don't know what a dominatrix is, don't really have a lot of experience about BDSM. So the way that they betray these things, unless it's a documentary or reality TV, which isn't always very real, as we all know, it becomes very dangerous because this is not what it is or how it should be. And bonding on Netflix was one of the worst. And I think I only made it through a few episodes because it was so terrible and <laughs> dangerous yeah. And it, it, in so many ways, and I think, I think it was in the first or second episode where they showed a scene where she had him tied down to the table and mm -hmm. he has something around his neck and he, I mean, he could have died. I mean, he should have, he should have like choked himself out or passed out. And that was extremely dangerous. And, and, you know, and it's just so sad that like no one on the show realized how terrible and sad it was. And again, it was written by a cis het white man who had nothing to do with sex work. Of course. <laughs> Again, he said that this was his experience based on what he did in high, uh, college. So, you know, maybe it was, but we don't need more people 
that are not us telling our story. We don't need non-sex workers telling our stories. And for like the love of Christ and everything that's holy, like I don't think we need to hear cishet white men say anything else. Like for really like the rest of the millennia, you've spoken, yeah, we've heard it, we don't like it. And so that's terrible. And there are some other shows that I enjoy, um, but they're sort of like weirdo ones and they're more in art, um, you know, like Blood Sisters is a documentary. That was really wonderful. Preaching. Sorry about that. Okay. That was extraordinarily strange. The entire window closed out, but it's still recording. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Well, everything I said was brilliant. So basically, yes, I it was. <laughs> Uh, everything. So I just asked you if there was any other uh, examples that call to mind or, or other things. I've never heard of Blood Sisters. That's very interesting. I've, I've, I sort of look out for it wherever I see it because I'm always very curious about, you know, because um, I've watched a lot of those dumb medical dramas too. And I'm, and I'm also very curious. My, um, my partner that's coming to visit me is a doctor. And so we talk about that a lot. And we've actually had that conversation as to, you know, which ones really get it right and re uh, which ones really don't. And uh, she um, she said, you know, she had to stop watching Grey's Anatomy after a while because it was just ridiculous. Um, mm -hmm. And House uh, completely over the top, of course, oh, you know. Sure. But it's entertaining. <laughs> but I, yeah, and, and it's hard because they, they do hire consultants but I don't know why, because then they just throw it out the window of whatever it is they're going to do anyway. And, you know, um, and, and cause I've worked on some, you know, I well, I mean the Janelle Monet video or, or other, I've been hired as a consultant to work on various sets for shows and things. And I'm always very, very clear that I, we can make it look good for TV, but we also need to make it look safe and not ridiculous. And, you know, the more control I have over something, you know, they understand that. Um, but I'm not responsible for the final cut. You know, I'm not always the star of the show or even guest starring on the show. I'm like, you know, like a five minute segment on some of these shows and stuff. So, yeah. But you're the best consultant to have on set if they're going to have a consultant because you've been doing it for so long. Yes, I am. And, you know, I, I, well, I definitely enjoyed working in productions, but not, not right now. <laughs> yeah, but. I uh, <laughs> I got a very random PA job last week on this renovation show. And I don't, you know, it was just, I wanted to be on set so badly because I haven't been on set so long. And it was nice to be around people uh, it was magical to be on set, but it was also a renovation show. So, um, and you know, I was a PA, so I was doing all the bitch work and boy, did we do a lot of it for 12 hours carrying, you know, various pieces of, uh, uh, of wood and, uh, you know, planks. And <laughs> at some point we were, uh, myself and another PA were putting down this, I don't know, some sort of cover on the ground to uh, hide the logos on whatever they had down already. And we were just, I mean, listen, we're, we're, you know, we're PAs. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> and so we're, we're taping down this, uh, whatever it was. And the guy from the construction crew comes over and he's like, what the 
fuck are you guys doing? You gotta do it. And he like pushed us out of the way. I'm like, well, why didn't you do it yourself in the first place? And so, you know, um, but having said all that, it was, it was fun to be on set. I, I really, uh, and, and to have other humans with <laughs> breathing distance. Um, uh, man, let's see. Um, have you ever been in a, uh, I know that you very much keep control of all situations, but have you ever been in a situation where it went a little awry and uh, you had to, you know, uh, take action in that, in that uh, situation? Um, well, I think the, the couple of instances that call to mind of, you know, when sessions go awry, sometimes there's a safety issue that needs to be addressed, like, you know, because people pass out. <laughs> I mean, men fall to their knees, you know, to the floor around me, what can I do? With pleasure. But something like that. Um, and I am CPR first aid certified, or mm -hmm. I was, I need to get recertified, but I'm not really around people right now. So I don't know how they're doing that in quarantine. Uh, but generally I am, so no one's died on my watch. I, I, I don't know what's happened to them now. I've been telling people on Twitter every day to wear their masks, I don't know. Um, and then I think sometimes what another thing that happens in a session is when someone has a fantasy and they think it sounds really good and then they get there and they realize this isn't really what they want. Um, or so then I have to dial it back or like retool it. Or sometimes the moment is just over and they're like, I'm sorry, I thought I really wanted that, but I don't like, let's just go to dinner. Um, or sometimes <laughs> people are having a really hard time to, sure. you know, get into it because of various other things. And then, you know, sometimes they need to make the choice to go harder actually to get them in or, whatever and you know but it's like two people in a room it's like we each have to you know i'm bringing 110 percent, but like you gotta at least bring 50. so i understand that sometimes people are not able to to get there that's rare but those are the few occasions where i felt that something has gone awry and you know how to get that back but i'm i'm very good at getting that back and dialing that in and figuring out how to get someone where they need to be right it takes a lot of vulnerability to, you know, even especially, you know, your first, your second, or even third time, um, you know, uh, doing, engaging in something like that. I know the first time that I went to play at the Dominion, I, I was excited, <laughs> but also very intimidated because uh, that was my first experience of anything like that. Uh, outside of, you know, inside my mind, of course, so. <laughs> yeah, um, it is, it's a lot. I mean, I always tell people when they're in either of my spaces, Dungeon East or Dungeon West, that it's a lot. I say it's a lot to make the call, email me, it's a lot to come into the space and then you're here and all of a sudden you're here and it's like everything you've ever wanted, but also it's really intimidating. It's a huge space, it has everything you want and you're like, oh my God, over here, over there. And it's like your mind is blown and it's like you're kind of overstimulated and a lot of times, sometimes people can't even get off or get to the subspace they want to be in because they're so overstimulated. Their mind is running in and, and I, and I it, that and I always say like, don't worry, that happens all the time. 
it's a lot to get in here. It's very nervous. And even though it's everything you want and you're excited, you're kind of overexcited. Um, I mean, usually people are so excited. They've jerked off several times before they got there. And I'm like, there's nothing left, my man. There's nothing left. I cannot get blood from a stone. That's uh, what I imagine auditioning for Steven Spielberg would probably be for me. It would be like, oh God, oh, oh, oh my God. Uh, all of my, all of my dreams coming true. Uh, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> um, you got kicked off of Airbnb. How did that happen? Um, oh, wow. That's really far back. Um, well, I, my space got kicked off of Airbnb. I did not get kicked off of Airbnb. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, back in the very early days of Airbnb, they, I listed the dungeon as an, as like Dungeon West as like, you know, the sexy space that it was. And then I also listed it as just like a space that people could stay at because it was like in the first year of business. And then I did get a lot of bookings that way uh, in the beginning and it was fine. And then they just decided no. And it's like this, it, I mean, gosh, it was like 10 years ago. And it's such a Kafka-esque like quagmire because they're like, we're kicking you off and there's no way you can respond to this email or ever talk to us again. And we'll never tell you why. And, you know, and then, but then like, I couldn't get off their mailing list and it was, I don't know. Oh, but, um, yeah. I don't know why. I mean, obviously it was cause I was a dungeon, but you know, I've heard some horror stories of people getting like kicked off of Airbnb, like otherwise, but I don't know if they're working out of Airbnbs as sex workers, which I've always told people to not do. And I understand that it's cheaper. I understand why you would want to do it, but like, it's really not a very good idea to do that. Um, so don't do that. <laughs> but yeah. Well, they were missing out. some old Betty that, that reported you from like, you know, uh, hearing noises in the, in the adjacent apartment or something like that. You know, well, something. no, because my spaces are commercial uh, spaces. So no. Right. So it was something Airbnb specific because everyone who used my space like loved it. So it of was course. something for, you know, whatever. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I worked for Airbnb briefly years ago too, and yeah, they're not the best company to work. With. But what company is? I was reading. Actually, it's funny. I was reading a really long article about someone who discovered this like really deep, interesting, like uh, rental uh, scam through Airbnb based in Chicago. And it was like one of these things where, oh, he was going to rent this space. And then, oh, the last minute it's not available. Would you like this other space? And he's like, oh, okay, sure. Like I can't, you know, cause they, the excuse was like, oh, the plumbing is fucked, but like, we'll give you this one. So he's like, okay, no problem. And he gets there and he's like, okay, this is okay. But this is like weird. And then he did some investigating and he realized that this happened to everybody else. And he go, but it goes on and on and on, but it's like, what was so funny is he shows pictures of it and there's clearly a St. Andrew's cross in the living room, but he doesn't mention it in the article and nobody else mentioned it. And it wasn't a dungeon. It was just, you know, kind of like a shitty rental, but then oh. the St. Andrew's cross is in the middle and it's a 20 page article, but basically it was like 20 layers deep of like, you know, like one person who owns like all these different apartments and switches all of them because like Airbnb, like they don't have a very good system of like their reviews because the reviews go to all the properties and, and that's been a huge problem anyway. 
but it's, and then it finally got traced back. It was like many, many shell companies and this guy just like cracked it. And it was like someone actually who lived in Los Angeles or California, but was doing all these, like, it was very fascinating. But, but there was a St. Andrew's cross in the living room and no one mentioned it. Everyone's like, I knew Airbnb was evil and this, and I mean, yeah. we all use them and, and it is good for that, but it's like, you know, it's very, uh, there are so many, uh, there are so many scams out there. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's not unbelievable, but it's just this one was really, <laughs> aggravating. <laughs> yeah, th- this one was really, really deep though. It was very uh, elaborate. It was like this person was making like more than six figures like out of it. Like it was like a whole company to do all this. It was very unbelievable. Intense. Yeah. Well, I know uh, a lot of uh, apartment buildings have written it into their lease contracts that that you can't do that because you know they don't want it like in in the building. Oh well, it doesn't matter anymore anyway because in Los Angeles, I think it was uh, November first or something, uh, sometime last year that it was you know you have to have a permit and you have to have a certain uh, you have to, it has to be your primary residence or you have to live there and you know, all of these things. So it's, you know, shaking out a lot more rentals. And I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, losing their shirt right now because they were flipping apartments and keeping a lot of people out of them. And, you know, um, it's unfortunate because it's like, you know, we don't want to prevent people who are renting out their room or, you know, an extra room or two in their apartment to like make rent or to have extra income. But like places that were literally building up, who were who owned entire apartment buildings and they were just Airbnb all of them. It that's who needed to be stopped. Not like, you know, Susan who's renting out her spare guest bedroom, who's retired or disabled. Leave and Susan alone. It's just, yeah, it's just really sad. So, and also Airbnb uh, for in Los Angeles, they stopped doing certain unique Airbnb. So like if you had like a yurt or a trailer, you couldn't do that. You can't do that anymore also. So that Ooh. stopped a lot of things. So yeah, it's interesting. And a lot of apartment rentals now, they, cause I've been, I, I've been looking once in a while, they were clearly re- renovated for the purpose of Airbnb only. So they don't actually make sense if you are a person who is living there. It's like, they'll do things like they've converted like everything into a bedroom, but there's like no living room, you know? So it's just like weird stuff like that. So yeah. I've stayed in a lot of those weird bedrooms too throughout mm-hmm. LA. It gets uh, it gets pretty strange, mm-hmm. including staying uh, staying two different times with some drug dealers. I've I've had a long adventure in my what? eight years. What were they Airbnb? I guess they were really terrible drug dealers. Oh, oh uh, it's it's been a ride. <laughs> um. You do have um, degrees in literature and psychology. How much of that do you think uh, you have, uh, especially with the psychology degree, bringing that into what you do? Yeah, you know, people always ask me that and and really nothing. Um, (laughs) Not at all. Yeah, it really isn't. I mean, I can't really, well, I can't really run a double blind test to see how much, but, you know, I think that all it does is that it makes me, understand it it makes me a better reader in terms of what people are what is written to me and you know I can understand like studies better and read articles better and like thus write better and 
it's not so much being more intelligent, but it's like understanding how people can talk about data and how they can fudge it and, you know, things like this. And this is why, you know, I am still taking seven months in, I am still taking quarantine just as seriously as I did day one, because I'm not, you know, looking to like, CNN or like MSNBC for my news reports, I'm reading peer-reviewed scientific journals. I'm reading the New England Journal of Medicine. You know, I'm reading these things. So um, this is why I am not seeing clients in person. Um, and this is why I'm very limited. So, you know, that's how it's affecting things now. I'm sure I miss people, but for all I know, some of my clients have COVID. For all I know, some of them have died. And, you know, I was on the phone with someone the other day from Australia and he was telling me, oh yeah, no, things are terrible here. Like, you know, we, you know, we're still like a full lockdown and whatever. And I said, you know, you only have like five new cases a day. Do you understand that, Los you know, America has something like or Los Angeles, I think has like 40,000 new cases a day or deaths. I can't remember. I'd have to look at the exact data. And it's I said, <laughs> no matter where you check, it's a hell of a lot. Yeah, it, it's a lot. And I said, oh, wow, you know, I wonder how many of these people are my clients, you know, and it was kind of more, and he was laughing because we were kind of, a, you know, dark joke, but I, I'm serious. Like, I will no, not terrible. know. I won't know if my clients have died of COVID. And I travel, I normally travel all over the country and all over the world to see clients. And, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if, if, and when I ever go on tour again, who writes me back? Like, I don't know. Goodness, I, I hope not. Um, but there are, a hell, there are just way too many cases, no matter how you slice it. Not, uh, especially and specifically here in our country because of all the reasons, but, um, it, it's terrifying around the world. My, my partner who's a, a doctor sees it all the time. Um, she's in Chile and she, you know, um, she, uh, actually just saved the life of a COVID patient, uh, patient who was, uh, having some pretty, uh, severe react, uh, lung reactions, um, to getting it. Uh, this was, uh, about a week ago, I guess. And yeah, she sees more and more cases all the time and it's really, you know, six, seven months in now, it's still way out of control, more so than it ever should be. And I, I swear I won't uh, go very far into politics land because it'll just make me vomit. But I, I have been like, I, uh, um, I've been, you know, removing more friends than ever on, on Facebook from uh, not, not so much all of the uh, other ridiculous things that he continues to do, but just the, all the things that are COVID related and how that specific situation has been mishandled because, you know, we, we keep losing lives and I, I learn about someone new every day, every other day that, uh, that, that has it or knows someone who has it and it's just terrible. So you're definitely doing the right thing and, practicing social distancing and, you know, uh, working at all that you can virtually because it's, it's really a mess. Thank you. I mean, I, I'm definitely in a place of privilege where both myself and my partner are able to have careers where we can do this 100% virtually. And 
our income level has remained the same. And quite honestly, it's increased and it will continue to increase because I can make more money online than I can, you know, seeing people in person and doing the things that I, other things that I used to do in person. Cause again, I'm not just seeing clients, I'm doing productions and other video, you know, things like this. So, you know, and I understand that and it's, and it's hard. It's really hard because, you know, um, you know, I'm having a situation right now with my family members where they're having an in-person event and I'm devastated because it's so hard to draw boundaries because, you know, um, well, one, I wasn't invited, so I wasn't going to go. It's very far away, <laughs> but, you know, you can say I'm not going to go, but it's really hard um, to see people, uh, you know, just regular idiots sucking. Yeah. It's hard when it's people, you know, and people close to you and what my partner and I always do, we just come back to this. We say, we can only control ourselves. We can only control, you know, each other, our household. There are three people in our quarantine bubble. Uh, me, my, you know, me, myself, me, myself, and I. <laughs> I'm not a narcissist. <laughs> so, uh, myself, my partner, and Jack, and we just say to each other, you know, almost daily, we are so grateful for each other that we are taking it the same level of seriousness. We're taking all the same level of precaution. So then that means that we can hang out together in person, close without masks. But you know, I'm do after, right after this, I'm going to a park with friends and we're going to either wear masks or we're going to be six feet away from each other. And that feels like fine to us and that's comfortable. And you know, there are so many, I think part of it, we're very lucky. We live in Los Angeles. How many amazing events are happening that are in person, but are social distancing? Like I love fine dining. There is a fine dining 10 course drive through dinner. I can't go because I'm closing the dungeon, but that's what's happening. And you know, other people in like the shitty suburbs of any state, wherever they don't have that. They've had nothing. There's nothing. So they can't, they can't translate their in-person party to something else. We can translate our, you know, fine dining experience into something else that's safe. There is no translation for them to do something else because they don't, I don't know, know what Zoom is. They don't want to translate that. And, and right. already felt like, oh, well, everything has been sucky for so long. And all we can do is have a party now in person, even though it's not safe. And that's the rationale. And that's, everyone else times a hundred million people, you know, unfortunately. So, but yeah, it's a whole different paradigm and uh, people are still getting used to it and people are still very much rallying against it. Idiots. <laughs> but you know, you, you just have to do all that you can Mm -hmm. at a distance just like we're doing here and boy oh boy have i upgraded my knowledge about uh technology and about zoom and about virtual recording and all of all of that business and uh you know you just you just have to play the cards as they fall that's really um my my uh my partner and i we have been sharing virtual meals and doing lots of, you know, FaceTimes and sending each other voice memos. And uh, it's really romantic to be honest. It's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I dated, I dated, um, I've had several long distance relationships even years ago. I dated someone in Dubai when I lived here and that was like bananas. I mean, and also he traveled a lot too. So we weren't always like, 
the time zone apart, but um, one of my friends is, um, uh, her sister is dating someone and it's like they're courting because they're both in LA, but it's like they sit on the porch, but like six feet away from each other. Right. <laughs> and they're having all these conversations about, um, you know, safety and what they're doing. Um, and they're both going to get like tested and then get tested again and all these things. And it's interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot as someone in BDSM and being queer. I, I talk about safety all the time. It's mm -hmm very much a part of my lexicon. It's a part of my daily life with my friends, with my lovers, with my clients. I am always talking about safety. And it is a disservice that I am so annoyed at people who don't understand what this conversation means because people are not in BDSM. Um, they're not queer and they just have never thought about safety before in the same way that I have pretty much every day for the last 10 years. And, you know, we've also just blown it in terms of everything that's happened since the AIDS crisis because of sex education, where we've completely blown it and never had, um, you know, in terms of just having a honest conversations about sex education in terms of STDs and how contagious they are and how to get them. So this was our opportunity for the last, oh my God, 50 years, to have these conversations about how diseases are contagious and how you get them and how to prevent having them. And that history and conversation has been completely lost. So I'm not at all surprised this is happening. It is terribly unfortunate. However, I feel like even if we had the best person in charge right now, a lot of this would still be happening because of so many things that have happened before here, you know, um, and, and that's, that's unfortunately where we are, <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is incredibly unfortunate. Um, and I, I don't wanna, you know, uh, it, it's absolutely terrible. <laughs> and it's been terrible for, you know, since uh, mid-March, but also, as you just uh, said, we have had, it has helped us as a community, as a culture, as a people, um as a country as uh, a, a global unit to have a lot more conversations to have a lot more important conversations to really talk about how mm -hmm. disease spreads how it doesn't spread how to protect yourself i am a registered germaphobe i have been for 15 plus years i keep a pack of wet ones in my pocket pretty much all the time i use uh, I've I've changed various wipes over <laughs> wipes and devices over uh, the year. I used to carry the little bottle of sanitizer, but uh, boy, that you know you have to be careful with those because the cap pops open and then it looks like you pissed your pants, and yeah. which has happened to me more times than I care to admit. Uh, yeah. um, so I started carrying the the wet ones. It is it is an amazing system. I got to tell you. I keep trying to get Wet Ones to sponsor the show because if there's any show that they should sponsor, it's this one. Because I've got, I keep like a whole box of them in my, uh, in my bathroom, in the cabinet. Uh, this is way more than you need to know. But I just mean, like, I am hyper prepared <laughs> all the time. I don't touch doorknobs. I don't, like, I don't touch handles. Like, I, I mean... Anything in any sort of public place, especially restaurants, specifically gas stations, anything of that nature, 
I I would never even, you know, ugh. it it freaks me out just to think about it because uh, you know, pin pads the worst. So, you know, always carry that protection. Yes. Because you never know. Yes. Well, I, well, well, same here. I mean, I've, uh, you know, having the studio, both dungeons, I've been very prepared in terms of like having all the, the wipes and alcohol and Seridol and stuff like these. And in the beginning, before everything got shut down, people were talking about what they were doing and cleaning their office spaces or various places. And you're just like, oh my God, you never cleaned anything before. And meanwhile, me, like right. everything is wiped down, not like excessively, but just everything is is cleaned and and wiped down always like in my house and in my in my um in my dungeon so anyway all well, those times that that i would be you know at uh, at carl's junior or whatever and see them using that that rag to wipe <laughs> off the tables that they've been using all day and probably all week and just like freaks me out um so like because i'll i'll take out a wet wipe and wipe down the table the chair yeah i'm ridiculous but also you know now everybody gets it welcome to my world <laughs> yeah all the germaphobes rejoice oh. they're like oh. well, welcome yeah i'm telling so. you what justine it's been uh, a true pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I know people can find you a lot of places. Where uh, where can they find you on social media should they choose to look? Yeah, well, I hope they're already looking. They've already started. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, my main website is losangelesdominatrix.com. So please always go there. That's where all the good stuff is. Um, you can find me on Twitter as Justine Plays. You can also find me on Instagram as the Justine Cross. I think I've also signed up for TikTok as Justine Plays, but I've done nothing with it yet. I'm trying to figure out what um, And yeah, I'll, that's that's where I'll be. But yeah, just make sure you are going to the main site, losangelesdominatrix.com. I'm very easy to find. There's a lot of information there in terms of classes, which we didn't really talk about, but I am doing all my classes live. And then I'm also recording them. So the recording is available and that's all on Gumroad, but everything is on the website, losangelesdominatrix.com. Yeah, you have a lot of uh, basic tutorials and sort of playthroughs. You also have tours of both your dungeons that I found on YouTube uh, mm -hmm. that, that people can easily find if they, if they want to, you know, uh, check out your vibe and your facilities and how you go about things, so. Yes, yes, I'm also on YouTube, but I don't do much with it other than post videos that other people have done of me. <laughs> so check out my playlist on YouTube. I think I have like one video up and yeah, I should, oh yeah. A few. Just, yeah, <laughs> good, yeah, yeah. No, but they're all of other, they're all other people did and you know, so um, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's why they're so good, you know, the ones that I, you know. <laughs> oh. I also forgot to uh, to mention too. You appeared uh, with uh, uh, one of my other favorite sexual educators, Sham Boudram, on her Clippy show. Yes, yes, yeah. We recorded that. Like, oh my god, it feels like forever ago. It was like 
in February. Yeah. So I forget what episode it is because it's like a strange, it's on, which is, it's on my website, what episode it is. But yeah, that was great. We did like a little, you know, tour of the dungeon and showed her some things. And then uh, I haven't watched it, but then after me, she brings in a couple and then they do some stuff. So, but I wasn't there for that. I watched part. it. So I, I just got to play with Anne and now she's pregnant, but wasn't me. I don't know. Like that was like right <laughs> after that. It was like, Are you she sure? was pregnant. You know what? She is like the second woman I have done, um, I have shot a show with and right after she got pregnant because she got pregnant right after that show. And then Princess from uh, uh, um, Hip Hop Hollywood also got pregnant right after. I don't know. Wow. A little <laughs> stuff, you know. <laughs> wasn't me. Well, it's not mine, you know. Anyway, well, uh, yeah, all I love it. Uh, I uh, yeah, Shan is amazing. I uh, was one of her. I I appeared in one of her early episodes too. Was like talking to Dirty Talk, and um, she was you know interviewing people in North Hollywood, and uh, she's uh, she is uh, just so so damn smart and uh, mm -hmm. such a wealth of knowledge and uh, her, you know, sexology on Quibi is really their best content. If, if you're going to get Quibi for any yeah. reason, that's, that's really why you want to get the subscription is, is for her show. Yeah, I don't know if that show is going to make it. I mean, that network, I mean, if Christy Teigen couldn't get it to work, unfortunately, they launched like right before quarantine or during quarantine and it like never, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. So we'll see. But yeah, we're on it. We're great. She's amazing. I mean, so there yeah, you go. I, I had a great time. So yep. Check that box. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, Devlin. I, I appreciate being part of your show. Thank you so much, Justine. It was a pleasure meeting you. Um, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Great. You too. Take care. Take care. Remember, you can follow me, as always, across all the places at Devlin Wilder. That's D-E-V-L-I-N-W-I-L-D-E-R. And Faux Real at Faux Real Pod. That's F-A-U-X-R-E-A-L-P-O-D. That's it for this one. See you on the next one. Bye.